I, I went into the Word of God, and, and I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Thank you for starting up the broadcast for us today, Nathan. Appreciate that. We're, we're teaching on prayer. Hebrew, or um, listen to me. A book of Luke, chapter 11. We're going to read the first 13 verses. Luke 11, chapter 4, or chapter 11, verse 1. Sorry, I better start reading. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and, get you and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pretty powerful. Lewis F. Galloway, an author, said, Preaching about prayer is like falling into the ocean. We can't touch the ocean floor. We're overwhelmed by the vast sea around us. We come up to stay afloat. No matter how hard we try, we can't reach the depth and the breadth of prayer. But we can continue to be buoyed by prayer even as we explore its mysteries. I think that's powerful. We have turned our attention to Luke chapter 11 and we're listened as Jesus teaches us about prayer. When we go to the school of prayer with Jesus as the teacher, there are some things you've got to remember. Pay very close attention to this. If you're going to learn anything from Jesus today, the great rabbi, the great teacher, you need to understand uh, these four principles. Just read them off quickly. Whatever we understand about prayer... Think about this with me now. Whatever we understand about prayer, it is elementary. Whatever we understand about prayer, it's elementary. I, I could have even said, but it's longer and it doesn't fit on the screen as well. Whatever we think we understand about prayer, we're barely scratching the surface. Does that make sense? Next thing, whatever we believe about prayer, it must be tempered by the truth that comes from Jesus. Uh, that, I like that statement because how can we become people of prayer and not get to know him better? Get feedback from him. 
Whatever we believe about prayer, it must be tempered by the truth that comes from Jesus because Jesus is the only being in your life that's never going to lie to you. He's never going to lie to you. Amen? Next, whatever our practice of prayer, it needs improvement. I don't care who you know. And I know, and we know some people that really are people of prayer. Amen? Whatever our practice of prayer, it always needs improvement. There's always room for improvement. Amen? And lastly, whatever the content of our prayers, God sees our heart. No matter what we're saying to Him, you know, that's coupled with what God knows in our heart that we don't even know. That's why when you look at the scope of prayer, even around you, compared to your life and the lives of those you know and love, doesn't God seem to respond differently to different people's prayer lives? Amen? Isn't that important to understand? We acknowledge the mystery of prayer. Some people say, prayer doesn't work for me. I've had people tell me that before. Well, I don't pray because it doesn't work for me. Um, how can I ask or seek or knock in a way that results in answers? I'm going to say something about that in a little bit. How do I get the answers I want to my prayers? That's why some people don't pray, pray because they don't get what they want. Amen? But what can we know about prayer? Well, let's go to the school of prayer and listen to our teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. First point. Jesus believed in and practiced prayer. Look at, look at the first verse with me again. Now Jesus was praying. Say that with me. Now Jesus was praying. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Man, I, 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 this just blows me away because the disciples... As a matter of fact, if you want to be a disciple, shouldn't you ask the questions that the disciples asked of Jesus? Now mark this down in your heart and mind. This is the only time that this question was asked of Jesus in this way. No one else ever asked him that. His disciples asked him that. Disciples. Say that with me. Disciples. How many of you want to be a disciple again? Amen. I don't want my ears just tickled. I want to be a disciple. No wonder disciples asked him to teach uh, them to pray. And this is the only record of a request that Jesus teach someone how to pray. Only when disciples asked him. I once heard Chuck Swindoll say this, and, and I wrote it down. No doubt the disciples noticed that Jesus' prayers differed greatly from their own. I like that. Something about his words, something about his motivation, something about his attitude or his expectations provoked the disciples to become dissatisfied with their own manner of prayer and to seek a different way of communicating with God. What better teacher are you going to go to than Jesus? Amen? I'm not surprised that the disciples asked Jesus this question because I, I, you may want to you may want to write this down. Well, look at Luke chapter three. Let's go. We got a Bible, right? Let's go to Luke chapter three, verse twenty-one. Luke chapter three, 
Verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heavens were opened. And when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was what? Praying. So when Jesus got baptized, mix in with that, he was praying. Go with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. I'm talking about some of the most major events that took place in Luke involving Jesus. And look what was mixed into every one of them. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to do what? To pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve. So what happened? Before Jesus picked disciples, he prayed. Go with me to Luke chapter 9. I mean, even the Son of God, it appears, didn't do anything that he didn't pray about first. And if there was anybody that ever could have shortcut that, you think, or, or put that on the back burner, or, or leave it behind you, think well, he's the Son of God. You know, God talks to him all the time. I mean, you know, what does he need to pray about? All right, um, Luke chapter 9, look at verse 18. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Now it happened that as he was, what? Praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ, the Son of God. What I like about this was Peter's great confession. Do you know that's what that's called? Peter's great confession. And before Peter's great confession, where was Jesus found? In prayer. Go to uh, verses 28 and 29, same chapter. Verse 28, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to what? To pray, right? So on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, he prayed. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Now I want to see that unfold one day when you come out of your prayer closet. Amen? Say, so, well, that was Jesus. That can't happen to me. Tell that to Moses when you get to heaven. Amen? Tell Moses your face can't glow because of the presence of God in your life. Tell him that. And I'm going to tell you this. This is, a, this is a, to me, it's a natural born fact in my heart and mind. If I, haven't you ever met anybody where you could see Jesus in their face? You could see it in their look. You could see it in their countenance. And it's no different than glowing in the dark. Matter of fact, to me, it's better than glowing in the dark. Amen? Go with me to Luke chapter 19. I'm just going to drive this point home until you think, come on, pastor, you can move on, and I won't. <laughs> Luke chapter 19, verses 45 and 46. 45 and 46, And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of what? All right, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. So he needed to be praying, right? Go with me to Luke chapter 22. Either he was praying, 
in all of these incidences or he was referring to prayer. Amen? Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. Let's go there. I'm enjoying myself. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. I mean, look, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six outstanding references in the book of Luke alone that Jesus mixed everything with prayer. I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I make that up. That's important. So it's no wonder the disciples asked him to teach them to pray. And this, is the, and this is the record of them asking him, all right? Point number two, Jesus gave his disciples a model prayer. Jesus gave his disciples a model prayer. Go back to Luke chapter 11 and pick up at verse 2. Luke 11, verse 2. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. All right? Different than the King James Version that you memorized it from as a child, didn't it? Listen to this. What did he say? What did he say? Let's say this again. Let's go back to... Let's go. He says... And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Julie, I think you would agree that every prayer in our life should start out with worship and adoration. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus just taught us? So he said, a prayer to the Father, Abba. That is the Greek word there for Father. And he said to them, when you pray, Abba, hallowed be your name. That's the most personal for the child of God name that father has. Daddy. Hallowed be your name. That's, Im that's important. A prayer to the father. Abba. Intimate relationship. Now watch this. Next was. I call it a prayer of recognition. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. We submit ourselves to the, his holiness. In comparison to our sinfulness. Amen. The next I call a prayer of trust. Give us each day our daily bread. Don't we need to trust God for that? A prayer of trust. Give us each day our daily bread. Trusting God for food, for clothing, for shelter, for help, for everything we need daily. And then, I, and then lastly on that, actually I'm going to say two more things. A prayer of accountability. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. As we ask God to forgive us, we seek to maintain relationship with him, which requires grace. As we seek to maintain relationship we must forgive others as we have been forgiven if we want to be a disciple. You can't give me an excuse that justifies you refusing to walk in forgiveness. Can't do it. I don't care what it is. You can't give me a healthy excuse for maintaining an attitude of unforgiveness. It is spiritually deadly. And then there's a prayer seeking deliverance and lead us not into temptation. Some see this as a testing of trials. In the New International Version of this, there's a footnote, but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't that important? So I call it a prayer to the Father, a prayer of recognition, a prayer of submission, a prayer of trust, 
a prayer of accountability, and a prayer of deliverance. Isn't that exciting? All in those verses. It's the model prayer. It places our lives in our Father's hands. It submits us to Him in trust. It causes us to be accountable to Him and finds us seeking His help and delivering us from temptation and finds us seeking His help in being delivered from the evil one. Amen? Third point. I, I have cheated with this point. I've cheated. I need to warn you right away. I cheated. Point number three. Jesus taught us to ask audaciously. I mean, you know, because I don't use a lot of fancy words. But I like that word, right? And it's in the expanded translation of the Bible that the word shows up. So I kept it and made it a part of my third point. Jesus taught us to ask audaciously. Look at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8, and I want to read it to you in the expanded translation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, <laughs> I love that, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Why? To make you go away, right? But don't think that that's referring to God. That's referring to you that if man will treat you this way, what more will God do for you? Pay attention. Just as a child knows no boundaries in asking a parent for the desires of their heart, we should ask God boldly. All right? What counts is persistence. He's encouraging a kind of holy boldness, a sharp knocking on the door, an insistent asking, a search that refuses to give up. That's what our prayer should be like. Prayer is laying bare of the heart before God about our needs. It's the laying bare of our heart before God. Amen? Prayer that is persistent and personal is powerful in God's eyes. In God's eyes. Persistence in prayer is not effective because we somehow wear God down. Don't make that mistake. Persistence in prayer is a test for us, not for Him. Do you understand that? We don't make God mad and then he comes to the door. What do you want? That's not God. That's man. That's how men do other men. How people do other people. This isn't about God, you treating God that way and him responding to you that way. I just want to make you go away. If anything, God wants you close. Amen? I still can't get over how many times have you heard me say it a thousand times? The day I woke up and realized that Father loves to hear my voice. The voice He gave me. He loves to hear it. And just like a fingerprint, God knows every voice in this world. To Him, it's unique. He knows the difference. Can you say amen? So persistence in prayer is a test for us, not for Him. In Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one 
who knocks, uh, it will be open. What, what, what does this, you need to go find yourself an Amplified Bible. You can look at expanded translations that you can trust. The Amplified Bible is a great one. Basically, it kind of says, and I tell you, ask and keep on asking, and I will give it to you. Seek and keep on seeking, you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking, receives. Hmm? And the one who seeks and keeps on seeking, finds. And to the one who knocks and keeps on knocking, it will be open to them. But not for the same reasons that your neighbor might open the door for you to ask you, are you crazy? Do you know what time it is? God will never do you that way. Point number four. Jesus teaches the Father's goodwill. In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. Let's go there. Luke chapter 11, 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that exciting? Listen to this penned note. God desires to give good gifts to his children. I haven't seen little Olivia in a few days, and so when she walked in this morning, what did I do, Julia? I put everything down. Why? Because I hadn't seen baby O, you know, in, in a while. And, and you know, I'm goofy. I, I think to myself, maybe baby O's forgotten, Grandpa. How stupid is that? You know, and you don't think that it means something to me when she lays eyes on me, shows me her favorite stuffed animal or doll. Well, I don't know what you call Minnie Mouse. It ain't, you call her an animal, you may insult Minnie, right? May insult Baby O, right? When she runs over to me, holds up her, her little stuffed doll to me, and I put my hands out like this, and both arms go up. She wants Papa to take her in his arms, right? Now, Baby O is an excited little girl. Maybe the attention doesn't last long, but it lasts long enough for this old man. Amen? One of my grandchildren, right? God is kind of like that about us. Amen? Commentator, Barclay. I don't know if you've heard of Barclay before. If we do not receive what we pray for, it is not because God grudgingly refuses to give it to us, but because he has some better thing for us. I'm heading up to a point here. Now, we've heard that before, and that's dynamic, but you've got to listen to me. This is my note. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. They do not exist. I'm telling you that if you talk to God, there's an answer. You may not hear it. If you hear it, you may not like it. You might want something different, but there it. God does not fail to, to honor His Word. If we cry out to God, if we talk to Him, if we pray, He'll hear you. And you're going to get some kind of answer. You just may not like it. You know? And we're pretty egotistical. You know, we're... We like, to, we like to respond to those sort of things. You know, I, I'm telling you, what, there's nothing more weird to me in my life than to listen to somebody talk about, well, you know, the Bible's a good book, you know, but I don't believe all of it. 
Well, then none of it's any good to you. Well, I don't really believe God hears us when we talk to him. Well, that's why you don't bother to talk to him. Why would you bother to talk to somebody you think's not, doesn't care, ain't going to listen, ain't going to answer you? But God does, amen? There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. The answer given may not be the answer we desired or expected. Even when it is the refusal of our wishes, it is the answer of the love and of the wisdom of Father. Amen? Of Abba. Even when it's the refusal of our desires, it is the answer of the love and of the wisdom of Father. Another commentator wrote this. Prayer is like a traffic light. He says, God will give us, God will give us, if you, you know what it says, you know what the most answered prayer in the Bible is? God will give you the Holy Ghost. You need to get ready for that. That's the most talked about answer to prayer in the Bible. That if you ask for the Holy Ghost, you'll get it. Um, you, you might sit there and say today, think about this, and think about it, hear it from my lips back to you, if it's in your heart. But, but you know, I, I don't know what will happen to me if I get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, that's like saying, I don't want answer to that prayer, God, because I don't know what it looks like yet. That's the same thing in evangelism, where if a, a lost soul could be compared to a fish, for example, you cast the line out and you catch a fish and you're bringing it to the boat and you're about to haul it into the boat and you go, whoa, wait a minute, that hasn't been cleaned yet. <laughs> How many of you know you don't catch gutted fish that are scaled and ready to go into the freezer <laughs> amen and throw it back because it's not clean yet that's like that's like backwards evangelism get the fish in the boat and deal with it amen well if you say to god i don't want the holy ghost because i don't know what's going to happen to me why don't we just throw all that out the window and let the holy ghost be the holy ghost in our lives why don't we just make a decision to allow the answers to prayers that God gives us work them on themselves out? Amen? Because God knows what he's doing. So in conclusion, when we go to the school of prayer, we hear from our teacher, Jesus, that he believes in prayer, that he's given us a model prayer, that he desires us to ask audaciously, and he teaches us that our Father views us in his good will. Amen? Learning to pray is a central part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. God is a giving God. But we have to ask in prayer. Now, listen to this. Um, I, I get a little crazy sometimes when I hear people answer questions for me about, if, I'm, if I ask a question like, why don't you pray? You know, uh, I want you to turn with me to the book of, of James. My Bible's new too, so pages are sticking together. Yeah. If I said to you, quote to me, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. If I said to you, you have not because you ask not, would you recognize the passage of Scripture? In James chapter 4. It's James chapter 4, verse 2. Sorry. 
James chapter 4, verse 2, if I say to you, you have not because you ask not, you, you hear that, you know, yeah, that, I understand that passage of Scripture. We have sinned in our lives by not learning everything that passage says. I mean, it's easy to remember. I don't have because I haven't asked God for it. I need to ask God. I need to talk to God. I need to pray, right? Not that simple. Human nature is such that we'd rather do just about anything than pray. I, I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, but human nature in, in and of itself, especially unregenerated, doesn't want to talk to God. For all kinds of reasons. Well, God don't want to talk to me, or he's not real, or he's dead, or he's moved on. Too far away, undetached, all kinds of stuff. He's asleep. You know, all kinds of things that you hear from people. When I was in the eighth grade, uh, we had a gym teacher that decided we, he, he's going to create a gauntlet. It's called a gauntlet. We had a track outside, big, long track. He said, you're going to run the gauntlet one day a week. You go out, you run a lap around the track, stop and do push-ups. Then run a lap around the track and do sit-ups. Run a lap around the track. I'd, I'd want to do anything in the world but that. I hated that. You know? And by the time then you ran the laps nine or ten times and did calisthenics between each lap, do I look like the kind of guy that wants to run laps around a track and do sit-ups and push-ups and hang from bars and do chin-ups? No! People treat prayer like that. I'm going to prove it to you. Now, in James chapter 4, this is in, in conclusion. Verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Now, you say, whoa, whoa, that's a heavy-duty word. No, do you understand now when I say to you, people would just about rather do anything than submit to God in prayer. Just about anything, right? But I think murder is pretty heavy duty, right? So let me read that again. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Then it gets to that. You do not have because you do not ask. We don't talk to God. We don't have because we don't talk to God. And mankind, human nature, is just about willing to do just about anything not to talk to God, and I stand before you today bewildered. It's because I'm spoiled. I've learned that if I open my mouth and I talk to God, He hears me. Yeah, thank God. There is a mystery to prayer. We do not control our God through prayer. We submit to our God. It is His kingdom that must come. His will must be done. Whatever we do not understand, or in whatever ways we have lost hope, we should keep our trust strong in the Lord. And here's my final question. If Jesus believed in prayer, shouldn't we? If Jesus, and you know he did. I read you all those patches of scripture. Why is it that I'm 64 years old and I never noticed that fact in Luke over and over 
and over and over again in the major events of the life of Christ, it involved prayer. The only one that maybe, now yeah, maybe the Son of God could have got away with less chatter with his father, but he didn't even try. If anything, he set the example. He prayed in the middle of everything. The Son of God prayed in the middle of everything, right? And set that wonderful example for us. And, and so I want to pray for you. I'll be so glad when COVID's over. I'm not going to say that again today, all right? So that we can gather around the altars of the church and pray about these things, amen? Well, what do we, what do we encourage you to do? Carry this with you. Make it a matter of prayer and commitment to God. I'm going to pray for you before we leave, amen? But the ministries in our land today, if they do not stand in the pulpits and proclaim all of the truth of the Word of God to their people, those people need to find another church. They need to find another pastor. And the pastors who will not say everything that needs to be said, they need to go dig a ditch somewhere, change light bulbs, be a greeter at Walmart. They need to go do something different and quit wasting people's time. And you, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, need to pay attention to these words. We need to obey God and, and move forward. You say, you know, Brother Dennis, the way you preach, you know, you're probably not going to be real popular and people may not line up at the door. Do you know whose responsibility it is to grow the church? The, the whole, us and the Holy Ghost. Working together. Amen? God and us. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be shocked when you start seeing the results of the people that will find churches where the Word of God is going to be taught in an unadulterated, unwatered-down manner. You're going to be shocked. Amen? It's going to be a good thing, right? If you believe me, stand up with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Father, for what You've said to us today. Thank You, Lord, that You've opened up this truth, how important it is that Jesus himself would not do anything, that he didn't mix it in prayer. They didn't bathe it in prayer. Found a place to pray, and then he did a thing. Went somewhere and, and did a thing and then mixed it with prayer. Or he enforced some things at the temple because it's supposed to be a, a house of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this simple room at Wayland Baptist University. Thank you that it's a house of prayer only because we're here. Thank you, Father, that in prayer this week, people set this room aside and thanked you for being here by the power of your Spirit. I, I thank you, Father, that we're learning more and more about worship every time we come together. It gets a little better. runs a little deeper. Lord, I look forward to the day where your Holy Spirit is so at home in this place, it falls on us and leads us into the throne room of grace, and we do get to sing with a million angels that fall face down on the floor, echoing, holy, holy is the Lord. Father, when we leave here today, we leave this physical location, I thank you that you go with us. Teach us, ingrain in us this word of encouragement from today, from your word. May we truly be your disciples. May we listen carefully and obey you. Father, forgive us for all the times we've treated it nonchalantly.
I want to thank you for the word audacious. Father, I've seen little children drive their parents' nuts in a checkout line at the grocery store audaciously asking for candy. I've witnessed it. I have been a parent. I have uh, been uh, a witness firsthand, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're not like the parents. Uh, you're not like the neighbor that someone audacious, audaciously banged on the door, but you love us. You answer our prayer. You give us what we need, Father. We thank you for that. Lord, thank you for loving us so much that even in the days in which we're living, we're growing. Revival is becoming more real to us every day of our lives. That is uh, my faith statement of the day, Father. We're growing in it, Lord. We're embracing it. We thank you for that. Father, uh, may we fellowship together in Jesus' name before we leave this place today. Go with us by the power of your spirit. Watch over us. Be in our homes and be at the center of every decision we make for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody sin. Amen. Fellowship together before you leave this place today.